Welcome, Investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Well, I find it interesting that some of the people that are pushing back the hardest because they're being affected the most, and it's really where it's being manifest initially is like comedians, you know, people Mm -hmm. like Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle and people like that. Yeah, they're like, wait a minute, you know, being able to laugh at ourselves and being able to make fun of some things is healthy because it makes us do not only self-reflection, but it also helps you actually look at some things in a different light and possibly even a little more objectively and say, you know what? Yeah, some of that stuff is ridiculous. But yeah, and what is laughter? I, I mean, it's a laugh. It's not something you decide to do. It's a very primitive response. It's central to being human. And so there's, you know, you should be very wary of any society that tries to, on any scale, ban comedy or the jester like even i know this has come up a lot but it's worth saying the jester was the only person who could make fun of the king it was considered beneath the king's contempt but even i think there was a wisdom that realized even the king needs to be laughed at and any king who can't be laughed at by the fool shows a defect of character and now we have people that really they'll say they have a sense of humor and they'll force themselves to laugh at bad, really stayed jokes. And that's going on a lot. And so you say, well, what other societies are like that? Well, a lot of the communist regimes, they came down on humor. I don't imagine there was a lot of joking around in Salem during the witch trials, you know, because in a way, laughter is that to mock is a form of rebellion. It's, it's a counter argument. There you go. A counter argument. And people who are totalist, they want everyone to be on the same page. They want everyone to be forced to be on the same page. So it's a sadistic controlling impulse that wants to regulate laughter. Yeah, crazy. So we have not only a combination of, you know, this whole lack of interaction that we have in society today because of social media and things like that, and a wrong impression of most of the world. And then you also have these limitations that, especially for men, I can't remember exactly who said it, but he said, ultimately, the baseline of every man is completely it's like violence and so you know when you get down to the very basics of what every man is and you know that's inbred in us and it's inbred in every species on the planet that the males especially in order to prove themselves in order to propagate the species and be able to protect the young and all of those other things ultimately not only do we have conflict and which is where most sports comes but also to prove your worth to the fairer sex and all of that has been suppressed. So, you know, I think it's like almost the perfect storm that is kind of coming together here. And it's creating this environment where it's almost like breeding some of these, you know, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd list them psychotic, but people like the Aurora Theater shooter, you know, that dude was a PhD student. And I had a lady on that I interviewed a few months ago, who was kind of an expert in that shooting. And she was like, well, the guy's PhD program, he really struggled to stand up in front of a class of like six students and give a dissertation or talk about a certain subject. So they sent him to this psychologist to help him overcome his fear of public speaking. And in the process of it, she started to peel back the onion and realize that this guy was really off and his ship was really sailing in the wrong direction. But 
he was planning the shooting. He was scouting it out, but he, he hadn't actually told her all of his plans. Yet. And so that's what I think you were referring to a little bit earlier, where you were like, well, these guys are very narcissistic. They plan things, but most importantly, they get this rage on the inside of them and they di- it just stews because they're kind of isolated. Is that all kind of jiving? Yeah, I wouldn't say James Holmes was narcissistic. That was a case of someone, and I think one psychiatrist formally diagnosed him with this, but independently, some colleagues and I noted that he likely had what was called schizoaffective disorder. Schizoaffective disorder is like schizophrenia with incredible depression. You know, so you've got the mood element, but you've also got the disorganized psychotic element of it too. So you've got the the kind of inability to orient yourself from psychosis along with the existential, just the blows that you get from, you know, mood disorder. And so he was, the issue with that is, from my perspective, is how was it that this man was just sitting there going crazy by himself? Like, it's pretty clear. If you, I've watched interviews with him. I did, uh, I did his case for my dissertation. I watched something like 24 hours straight of interviews with him. He's almost nonverbal. So it's clear that when he speaks about, when you finally get him to speak about anything, you realize his thoughts are really disorganized. So my question is like, not what are the roles of guns in this? Or like, well, how did his schizoaffective disorder, like, you know, was it all that? Certainly there's a conversation to be about how we manage that, but how is it this person was just able to sit there and go completely off the rails over a long period of time and no one being like, okay, hold on, something's all right with Jim, we'll pull him out of school. And, and it's just, so I'll, I know what I'm going to do next. I'll leapfrog to this. I think we've long had this unhealthy obsession with making people maximum productive. It's like, we, you know, it's a big deal to take someone out of school because like, just get through it, just force them through it. You know, you just got to finish your PhD, Jim. And we, we got to be more uh, humane about this. We've got to look at it from a point of view of like, you know, it's okay if someone is non-productive for a period of time, if we need to take them aside and fix them because they're completely screwed up. So that's, that's an issue that we deal with as a, as a society too. It's like, we're just so focused on achievement that we'll let somebody crash into a wall and completely anti-achieve, you know, become a monster or harm themselves or harm others because we don't want to take them off like this, this road to what level of achievement, you know, just for a bit to see if they're okay. And maybe they're not, and maybe he shouldn't be in his PhD neuroscience program because he's seriously mentally ill. And even if you got him medicated, he still really shouldn't be like that. Maybe he should be stocking shelves at a Walmart or something like that, right? Something far less stressful. So, you know, we're always driving people. We're pushing like you have to produce, you have to achieve at this exceptional level or or it's like nothing you do counts, which by the way, is one of the reasons that we have such a shortage of these blue collar laborers now because we stigmatized people working with their hands at a social level through the education system systematically for decades. And no one can know how to do that, that stuff because it's like, well, that's not real work. You know, everyone has to go into like these advanced things. Like you have to become an actor or a astrophysicist or there doesn't count. So yeah, just a lot of things wrong there. So, so that's, Plus, how does someone be allowed, someone who's surrounded by people all the time, who has a family, it's not like this guy was from a broken home. How is it that even this individual is allowed to just sit there and go completely 
crazy. Like, did no one really notice at all? Or did everyone just, ah, I don't have time for that. I imagine it's something like that. And once again, Kyle's ship is off. Nah, that's Kyle's problem. Well, now it's everyone's problem when Kyle walks into the movie theater with the Air 15. Yeah, well, I, I think part of that is also like society, basically, like what you said, certain words, certain phrases, even questioning certain things is completely off you know, you just can't do it anymore and it's forbidden. So I think a lot of people are like, you know what, rather than getting called or guessing wrong, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to say anything. I, I think there's a, a large portion of society that is basically like, you know what? Yeah, I, that dude's really off, but I don't want to get accused of saying something that's, you know, mm-hmm. bigoted or something like that. And I think because we're all moving into this inability to self-peace and to help your neighbor even when you see things that are dramatically wrong, I mean, that's that's another form of isolation, isn't it? Yes. So what we're talking about is the sort of behavior and the patterns that you see in a cult. And so people think of a cult like you are isolated among people. You're isolated from the outside influence, but it's not like then within that cult, you have these really close bonds. No, you're isolated within other isolated people within that unit. And so this is a whole other direction we could go. And I think that society is increasingly taking on the the characteristics of a cult. I mentioned a term before, totalism. I spoke about that being at like more of a government level where it's totalitarian, communist, fascist, theocratic, whatever that may be. But totalism is also something that you find in, in cults. And we're so what is it that we're living in now? What age? Well, everyone's gotta be on the same page. No dissent, no humor. You've got to be part of the collective because you can't be seen as antisocial, but you got to work for the cause. And we tell you what the cause is, and we're afraid. We're constantly afraid that we're going to be called out for thought crime, so we shut up. And you know, can you imagine, you take someone who's a young person, who just left home, they've gone to university, they're in a transitional stage, which by the way is when cults get people. They go to university, and they go into class, and they want to make friends and everything, and immediately they're told that they're like a fascist, or a racist, or a transphobe, or a homophobe, or an ableist, or blah, 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 right? There's a whole list of things. You are going to be found guilty of something, by the way. And they make you feel terrible about it. What? It's okay. You didn't know you were wrong, but here's all the things that you have to... Now, in order not to be wrong again, you have to do... These are all the things that you have to say, and these are all the things that you can't say. By the way, your family, they're all of those ists too. So, move away from your family. They're a bad influence. You know, come out and proselytize for our causes. So, the point that I'm making is I think that in some aspects, post-secondary education has become like cult indoctrination, particularly in the humanities and some of the softer social sciences as this, I don't know any better word for it, that the guy will use the one everyone knows as the woke mind virus just ravages through everything. It's got a structure to it. Totalist. Yeah. Uh, well... And I, I think the ultimate way that they basically isolate and find people guilty is when when people are being basically accused of being evil or, or wrong or whatever, just based on characteristics of themselves that they can't change. They have no control over, you know, they're male, they're white, they're Hispanic or, you know, something like that. And it's like they have no control over, they were born that way. And yet they're automatically guilty. And so, not just put, not just set guilty, but they're like evil. So, what are these kids supposed to do? They're in this weird environment 
of, like you said, almost cult-like behavior, and then they're isolated because of things that they have absolutely no control over. But it's not just that. I mean, that's bad enough too, but can you imagine fitting in and doing everything right? It's not like you're any less isolated. It's not like you're any less screwed up. You might be more screwed up. So it's not good for the people that that don't fit or the people that fit, because to fit, you have to mutilate yourself in so many regards. You know, certainly you have to mutilate yourself socially, psychologically, intellectually, uh, emotionally, and sometimes physically to fit. Um, so at least the, the people who have been outcasts, many of them have chosen not to mutilate themselves in one of those fashions. That's a terrible thing to ask of someone, you know, just for what? To have basic social contact? The fundamental thing that we need as primates? It's really screwed up. So I don't know. I've been asking myself, what do I do about this? And that along with the technology, the social media thing, it, it's really devastating, I think, to people psychologically. I'm seriously considering um, just getting rid of all of it. I'm not saying I'm going to. Obviously, yeah. it's a huge thing. But when was the last time you sat around a campfire and someone was playing guitar and you looked at the stars? All right. Well, see, I live in Utah, man. So it, uh, it happens more often than not. <laughs> But it should be, I should issue more on than not, but every few nights, that's the right way to bother yeah, well, people. Yeah. People cool because they are there with you, you know, um, well, they're there around yeah. you sharing this moment on this rock in space. You know, everything's about to explode imminently. No one knows why we're here, but we're here together. And doesn't this sound beautiful? And let's not make it so much about us as, as individuals for a change, but let's just appreciate the beauty of, of a moment. Right, the crackle of a fire. Yeah, friends' laughter. Um, That's so strange from what we are right now. Ah, isn't that the truth? It's one of those things where you know periodically you'll see somebody that maybe they have a big following or something. You know, they're really active on social media, and you know, there's a cop down in L.A. who I follow really closely, and this guy, he's really grounded. I mean, he does a lot of reaching out to kids groups and church groups like that he's not just a police officer but he's also very active in his community and i saw it just the other day he was like hey man i just can't handle this anymore i gotta take a break so we'll see you in a few days and he just unplugs i think people that do not have the ability to do that are the ones that are really in danger but i agree you know what i can't think of anything that my boys could benefit from more as difficult as it is to get them to just all the YouTube and the Xbox and everything away and just take them out in the woods, just let them run around. And, you know, last summer had the boys out and, uh, you know, camping with a bunch of youth group that uh, is in the neighborhood. And, you know, they just spent two or three days building, you know, teepees out of, out of sticks and things like that. And, and especially for young men, interacting with other young men and nature is the absolute best thing that they could possibly Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.